0: thankful, God, to be in the land of the living today. We ask you to be with all those who are suffering during this time, all those who may be sick, or those who have lost loved ones. May our celebration not be taken as anything but gratitude to be alive. May it not be taken as a scorn to those who have suffered, Lord. We don't deny what's going on in this world. Please comfort those who need you dearly. And at the same time, Lord, may our rejoicing Be joyful sounds to those who are here watching online and to your ears. May our praise, oh God, ring forth from this building now from henceforth. May you protect us, keep us safe, give us courage, and would you bless this service with your word. Teach us, lead us, guide us, give us revelation that brings inspiration that can change a nation. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Can you bless the Lord again? (laughs) Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you, band. Amazing job. As I said in my prayer, may not our praise or our gathering be looked at scornfully to those in our community who are still suffering and going through hardships, but I want you to look at our faith and our facts before I get into the message today. Channel 7 News has already been out as well as Channel 2 says they're coming and they'll be here during our transition. What we as Christians believe is that we should gather together as the scriptures teach us. And you could turn me down just a little bit in the monitors, please. So gathering together is a command. We are still doing it online. We have over 50 people joining us online. Everybody go, hey. Hey. They're still joining us online and they'll continue to do so. We have about a third or, of our, or a quarter of our congregation here, and that's okay. But we want to start fulfilling that command. The second thing that we believe in the church is a part of our faith, and this is on our church uh, Facebook page. If you would like it sent to you personally, let Lauren know. Info at mpichurch.org. We'll email it to you. But we also believe that it's good to quarantine the sick and not the healthy. And at the beginning, we didn't know who was sick and who was healthy. And so they told us, quarantine yourselves, everybody, it's, it's spreading fast. We don't know who has it. And so didn't we all do that? We have not met in this location for seven weeks, more than enough time for them to understand what are the symptoms, what is the incubation period, and what are the things that we should do moving forward. Other states are beginning to reopen, and we want that same privilege. So we have not looked for a fight. We're not filing a lawsuit. Uh, The Romanian churches of Chicago have because they say we've already stood against communism in Romania, and we sense that that's what's happening now. But we're not doing that. If we were to get some kind of a cease and desist, we would probably just meet outside in our parking lot or at Humboldt Park with the gospel truck. But we're not here to start a fight. What we just want is to practice our faith, which is to gather together as a church to practice our own social distancing. Whether or not we want to hug a loved one or to tell a brother or sister we love them, let that be our choice, our risk to take. And then to quarantine the sick and the sickly or those that we now know are being affected by this, primarily those 65 and older with preconditions, over 86% of the deaths in Illinois are from those. But if you take all the deaths of Illinois, over 3,000, and each one is precious to the Lord. And you take that by, uh, you divide uh, 12 million in Illinois citizens, and you divide that by our 3,000 deaths, that's only 0.025% of the population. That means 99% of us will probably get by okay with this. And that's why the Bible says that the healthy need to interact with each other now. We need to stop isolating. I'll bring that up in our message. And then here's the facts. Whether or not people agree with our faith to gather or that the sick should be quarantined and not the healthy, but here's our facts. We have an amendment right, the First Amendment, to gather. It's our choice. This is part of our religion. Don't you believe this is part of your religion to come to church, to choose whether or not you want to hold hands or sit next to somebody? That's part of your religion, and the First Amendment protects that. Uh, We can willingly lay that down as we did if we think it will help people to love our neighbor. But we think loving our neighbor now means to see our neighbor. And to have fellowship with them. And if you don't want the spittle that comes from my preaching, wear the mask or sit further back. But that's our First Amendment. Right. The second fact is, is that other countries and other states even in America didn't lock down and they fare just as good if not better than those that did. If you look to Sweden compared to the other European countries, especially like Belgium right next to it or Italy or Spain, them giving their people the choice on how they would lock down and how they would quarantine, they actually did better by a long shot than Belgium, Italy, and Spain. And though there may be factors like the kind of flu shots each country got and how they reacted to the COVID, though we know the COVID is not the flu, it has similarities to it, they, they're looking at the different flu shots each nation had or the age of each nation or the smoking habits, but for whatever reason, places like Sweden that allowed their people to continue to do this, go to restaurants, fared even better than their European nation. So it's not that science says there's only one way to lock down. There's multiple ways, and once again, we've already done seven weeks. Also, when you look at our situation in Illinois, and you can go to the websites that I, that I, seen, uh, that I have here, and these are from governmental websites, no conspiracy We have plenty of ventilators and ICU rooms available for those who contact the COVID. And we're not saying that we may not contact it. You may contact it here, and that's part of your risk if you come to a place like this. But as I get to point number five, you're going to realize that you're going to contact it no matter what. They say now it's going to be with us and it's going to cycle through most likely with our flu. And so around flu season, it will also be COVID season, at least for the next one to three years until we all get it. And so I guess I did say 0.5. And so now our only hope is a vaccine to slow it to have the right things in place for doctors to help those who get it, and to have a herd immunity where we become immune to it over time through what our body does. But when you look to the state of Illinois, we have enough ICU rooms, we have enough ventilators, and as a sign that things are okay as of now, we're not talking about the past. Remember, we weren't here seven weeks ago. As of now, they have shut down our field hospitals, the largest being McCormick, which I believe only had 100 at the most during the height, and they have never even used the other ones from what I could find in my research, like the one in Elgin and other places. The next thing is that when you look at the death rate, and you, just like me, probably have so much compassion for these folks, there is nothing that even has been done as of now to stop them from getting it because it's one of those little sneaky viruses. We have been on lockdown for over seven weeks, and somehow, whether it's through the hospital workers or others, The people in nursing homes are still getting it. And that's sad. And they're doing their best for them. But that doesn't mean that we all should be afraid of it now. We've given it time. We understand what the symptoms are. And if you're sick, stay home. Do not pass it. And and if if you have to go out, send somebody out. And if you need help with groceries, we'll come and bring them to you. We don't want you out and about. But the thing about this is, is it's asymptomatic for many, many people. So healthy people, even healthy nurses, doctors cannot guarantee that even masks stop the spread. And you've seen the whole hazmat suits, and not every hospital, not every place can do that. So even in our safest places, people still get it. And so ultimately, uh, what makes the difference whether or not somebody lives or dies, and we ultimately believe that's in the hands of God, but from the earthly perspective is whether or not we can give them the best medical care at that time when they contract it and if their body can fight through it. And so we're praying for their bodies. We're praying for the medical workers. We're praying for the wisdom of doctors. I would love there to be a vaccine and zap, and there it goes. But chances are that's not going to happen anytime soon. So as I was mentioning previously in my last point here, is it's probably going to take about one to three years for vaccination and or herd immunity. And during that time, global health now Dot org, part of John Hopkins says that by that time, everyone in the world has going to come in contact with it. So let us prepare ourselves for what's ahead. Let's not be naive. Does anybody here uh, think I'm a COVID denier? Does anybody here think I don't have compassion? And some of our neighbors, they're, they're upset with us online. They, they've called the aldermen and all these different things and And they know that uh, a church is meeting here and that's made them so upset. But we're doing this because we love you, neighbor. We want to be on the front lines. We want to be a part of the brave, the courageous who start interacting in small numbers. Because whether or not you live in Texas, Florida, Indiana, or Illinois, this is what we now need to do. And I hope that our state will join with that. Not to mention for the sake of a lot of small businesses who are suffering during this time. If Walmart can be open, your small business should be open. We know that. And if you uh, trust the government, and you trust that they always have your best interests in mind, then I have a bridge to sell you in New York. Uh, The Brooklyn Bridge is for sale. But if you can test the government and not always be so gullible and just test their facts, I think you'll come up to this. And so without conspiracy, without judging what's in our mayor's heart, our governor's heart, without trying to understand the difference between Texas and why they're free and why we're more on lockdown, I have chosen with my family in this church, to open it up to the public, to whoever is willing to come, and to take those risks upon themselves, to start developing herd immunity, to pray for the sick, to quarantine ourselves if we do get sick, and have a place of hope for the community. Can I hear an amen to that? That's our intention. Amen. Amen. If somebody wants to praise the Lord, that's our intention. Neighbors, we don't intend anything else except good for you, and we hope that you bless us the same way. Wouldn't it just be something, or doesn't it just show, rather, the stupidity of people when they say in the name of health, they now wish we would all catch the COVID? is not that just so stupid. You say you care about us, but now you're cursing us, wishing we would all catch COVID. Wouldn't you just want to share different facts if they were out there? But they don't have different facts. They're just upset, and we love them. That's okay. They haven't checked what the government is doing. The government doesn't have different facts than this, by the way. Everybody's looking at the same facts, and so you should do the same. Though we're not experts, we can become expert researchers. And like I said, these are all governmental websites, and we are going to take our First Amendment right to do this. And I hope that you enjoy yourself here. And if you catch the COVID at MPI, just Vaccinate yourself, quarantine yourself, and pray for yourself, we'll come pray for you, okay? But I don't think you will. I really don't. I think that for most of us, we probably have already experienced a lot of it already, and they say upwards of 25% have already been in contact with it, but maybe it's more. Who knows? But I'm willing to take that risk. Let's go into our word. Uh, It's good for man not to dwell alone. Open with me to Psalm 133. I heard one preacher say, Yeah, now they're going to blame the churches. They won't blame Walmart. They won't blame uh, going to the hardware store. They're all going to say, if they get it, they got it at church. Well, you know what? You can get it anywhere. How did we get it throughout the last seven weeks? I had a brother in the church catch COVID, and he was on lockdown. How did he get it? And that's where we have to understand that there's always risk to life. And so we quarantine the sick, and we pray for them. But we who are healthy should continue to interact. Now, let me just say this in Psalm 133 verse 1, as we get into our message, the psalmist is encouraging us here about the blessing of unity, and he says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. We are supposed to live together. We are supposed to share life together. The Bible says, it is like the precious oil poured out on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar, on his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forever. Everybody say, the blessing of the Lord is where his people dwell together. Amen. The blessing of the Lord is where his people dwell together. Now, if you just get a look around this room you can see that we can dwell together in different ways. Even during a time like this in an epidemic, we can dwell together giving each other space and wearing masks. We can dwell together arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder. We can do that because the Bible says that's our God-given right. That's the right that he's given us. But we should only dwell together in such a way that encourages the Christian faith. If I had a disease that could kill you, I shouldn't dwell together in a way that that disease can kill you. Now, if I don't know if I have that disease and you don't know it either, we shouldn't live in fear and isolate ourselves for the rest of each other's lives. We should do what's best so that we can know whether or not we have that disease. So imagine if I said, I don't know, I have it. Do you know you have it? No. Okay, let's both take 14 days to see whether or not we have it because it will tell us uh, symptoms usually come up during that time. And then after that time, I go, you know what? I haven't had any issues. Have you had any issues? No. Well, you know what? I'm going to start moving forward with these things. Is your family getting sick? No. Is this person getting sick? So chances are... You don't have it to spread. Now, if I was to say, I can't dwell with you unless you get a test, would that be a part of our Christian faith? That every time I'm going to dwell with you, you have to pass a test and say, you know what? You can't come into my house until you can pass a test. Not only would we need to test everybody here right now, we would need to test you again next week and then next week. How many want to live a life where you pass a test every single day to hang out with somebody? Now, maybe one day they'll come up with technology where technology can help us to do that. But here in this psalm, what do we see presumed when brothers and sisters dwell together? That they have faith and good intentions. That they have faith that when they're coming together, it's in Christian unity. It's in the sense of to love and to care and to concern and not to hurt. And as much as it relies upon them, they only want the good for their neighbor. And that's the kind of unity we need right now in America, is it not? Those who can get tests should get tests. Those who want to make sure you don't have symptoms, go ahead and isolate yourself. But we want to encourage Christian Fellowship during this time. Wasn't it Mother Teresa, that dear Christian woman who went out to Calcutta to be with the lepers who had themselves contagious diseases? Wasn't it the Christians during the bubonic plague and other eras that volunteered to be the nurses to do the charitable work? Hasn't it always been the Christian duty to do whatever they can during times of disunity to try to bring unity? I hope we're getting that from this passage. The next thing I hope we get from this passage is that God's blessing comes upon us. Maybe accidentally we spread something, maybe not just during COVID time, but maybe I gave you the flu during flu time, or you gave it to your child and your child gave it to my child and blew my house up. Uh, Maybe you had the cold, maybe you had something, and you didn't intentionally give it, but it it was spread nonetheless. What do we do in those times? Do we give up on fellowship? Do we turn our back on each other? Do we look at our kids and put them in saran wrap in a bubble and say you're never hanging out with another child again? No, we do what's best at that time to protect them and use science and medicine to enable them to fight back and to be strengthened again. But then what do we do? We send them back out into that world to touch those handlebars at the gym, to go ahead and eat that dirt when we're not looking, to uh, fight with that child you know next door neighbor and to rub their hands all over each other as they do. And we believe, God, that through that process of life that good things happen. When you have time, just Google and only pick the top-rated websites like WMD, uh, you know, .org or, you know, the CDC. But Google the risks and the problems associated with isolation, Being isolated will affect your immune system because you're not exchanging bacteria and healthy antibiotics. Uh, Being immune will affect your endorphins and how your body releases chemicals that affect your immune system. We now know both psychologically and physiologically, that is mentally and physically, that we are affected by isolation. So this is not just pixie dust talk here. That when the church comes together, it's like dew coming on Mount, Mount uh, Zion here, that there's a blessing in Christian unity. This has been shown through science that isolation hurts and that good gathering helps. And so when is it time to gather When is it time to get together? Well, let's go to the book of James because he helps us and gives us situations of when we should gather together. And you can tell me if you can relate to this. Go to James chapter 5, verse 13. During the Spanish flu in the early 1900s, the death rate was indiscriminate. It killed young, it killed old, it killed healthy, it killed everybody. And during even the quarantines, the death kept coming. And thankfully, over time, there was a vaccine developed, and now that's part of our flu vaccine. But did you know that in 1968, another kind of flu virus sprung up, even during the time of Woodstock, and killed over 100,000 Americans But during that time, they didn't quarantine like we did now. Uh, They didn't socially isolate, and it seemed to have passed through as they developed a vaccine. And even now, they called it the Hong Kong flu, a part of your flu vaccination shot includes that strain from 1968. Have we of Americans done things differently? Yes, and we'll see as time goes on. I'm not here to start an argument about facts we don't have yet. We'll see whether or not 1968 was better or worse than 2020. We don't know. Over a long period of time, we can look at Sweden and compare them to Italy and to Belgium who have almost twice the number of deaths per million. But this is what I can say in 1968 that they were allowed to do that I know was for their good, and that was go to church. Because James says, when we should gather together as the church, under what circumstances. And I think today we're in that similar circumstance. And I hope and pray that even if you're with us online, that you're supporting us who are gathering together because Jesus said through his apostle, is anyone among you in trouble Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Didn't we do that today? Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Do you know that the Bible even encourages us that when we're sick to let the church pray for us and to even attend church if we can so that they can lay hands on us. I don't think it's good if we have a disease that can be spread through uh, the air or like something like COVID to come when we know we're sick. But let's say you had cancer, and we know you can't catch cancer by being around someone with cancer. It would still even be good to come to church. But what about those who have COVID that we know who are sick and that they need our prayers? We should be able to pray for them in the hospitals as well, shouldn't we? Have you heard the best science about the mask? The masks don't prevent you from getting COVID. They prevent the carrier from spreading it as fast. So why can't we in the state of Illinois go and visit our friends and family when they have COVID if they're dying? Shouldn't we be allowed to go and visit them? Put a mask on them if it's a risk to us. But how many would be willing to take a risk to go visit their loved one if you weren't prone to that kind of sickness? And you see, this is where not only our rights are being violated in the church, but even outside of the church. So you're welcome to come if you're sick, unless you have something that can spread to others. And where do we get that from? We don't need to get that from the CDC. The CDC gets that from the Bible. Go to the book of Leviticus, chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. So when is it good not to come to church if you're sick or dealing with something? Not to come to church, even if you're sick, is when you have something that is contagious. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 4 through 5. What did I say originally? Sorry, verses uh, chapter 13. Look at what it teaches us. It says, this is talking about leprosy. It says, if the shiny spot on the skin is white but does not appear to be more than skin deep on Uh, It's skin deep, and the hair in it has not turned white. The priest is to isolate the person for seven days. So here they had to determine whether or not somebody's sore or somebody's spots could be spread that it could be spread, and so they had to isolate that person for seven days. So that's why in the Bible, they even had to go around saying clean and unclean. There were laws that protected people. So putting that together with James, do we see a good way to quarantine and come to church? Let's go through it and see if you are paying detention class. If you are sick with cancer, should you come to church and let us pray with for you? Yes, if you are sick with leprosy, should you come to church? No, if you're sick with COVID, no. But here's the deal. How do you know if you have leprosy until you get leprosy? How do you know if you have COVID until you have? you get my point here? You and I are to live in this world of risk without a bubble. And we are to pray that it doesn't spread. And if we see that it spreads, we start to make the right changes in place. How many are glad you came to gather together? But what happens when we gather together? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. The Bible says the body of Christ is strengthened. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. If you remember when I first started preaching about the COVID, I said, these are just warning signs of judgments to come. And even in times of judgments, Christians can be touched by what happens. So just because we're here as Christians during God's judgment doesn't mean I or you cannot get the COVID both now or moving forward from now. How many of you have had the flu before? Raise your hand. All right, so have I. How many know the flu can still kill today? How many know about 30 to 60,000 a year die of the flu? That's a real deal. How many know you've probably spread it to somebody through the butterfly effect that killed somebody? You don't want to raise your hand now, do you? But that's probably true. What is the butterfly effect? You had it, you spread it, the next person spread it, the next person spread it, and someone's immune system who could not fight it well died. Should we blame you for that? Should we say everybody during flu season to leave the church, to leave the country, to go live in a bubble? No. I think science shows us otherwise, that though death can be scary and though there are things about death and sickness that none of us want to ever have or wish even upon our worst enemies, we have to understand that that's part of our life and we have to do what's best for those of us who want to continue on living. And even though someone like My family member passed, not during this time, but during another time, from pneumonia, which more than likely came from influenza, which could have came from you repairing their air conditioning in their house that day, or it could have came from your child when they were at the park and they pinched their little cheeks or did something. When my grandfather passed, he had to be ready to meet Jesus. And all of us have to be ready to meet Jesus because even though we are safe in a car when we take all of the precautions, we're not guaranteed our safety. We're safe, that means we've done the right things, but we're not guaranteed that all the right things now will happen. How many of you remember in our church, dear sister Diana, how many remember her? Either you're not listening or you don't know how to raise a hand. How many remember our dear sister Diana? How many know she passed, and as she passed, it was something to do with her breathing and her ability and her lungs? She was a young woman. When did this happen? Around February or before? November. During the beginning of flu season, and now they're doing their tests, and who knows if they can go back and do a COVID test. Maybe they have the ability to do that, but I... But from what I understand, that her body, what, was she cremated? Was she cremated? Yes. So I don't, I don't think they can do that, but I don't know if they keep specimens for, for future research. But we'll never know. She passed within instance. Now, how many of you at that time felt a fear, those of you who were close to her going, if it can happen to Diana, it can happen to me? Let's be honest. Many of us did. Now, did that stop you from living? Did that stop you from breathing? My youth pastor had a brain aneurysm while he was shooting hoops, and he was my age, in his 40s. Had no idea, just was playing basketball. Something exploded in the brain, the brain cell. You know how those things go. Uh, Doctors could explain better, but he had a brain aneurysm, fell down dead. Left behind his wife and children and all of these precious people who loved him. Does that mean I don't shoot hoops anymore? No, because what I have to do to live is to begin to understand that there will be risk as a part of my life and that I have to begin to choose those risks and compare them and weigh them to the things that I like, to the things that I want to do and the hopes and dreams that I have for my family. And so maybe if he never would have played basketball that day, and strained his body. Maybe if he only would have gone to yoga, wear yoga pants, and be a vegetarian, he may never have had that brain aneurysm. But did he know that at the time? Did he rob his children of having a father and a husband? Did he, was he selfish for going on that basketball court that day? Of course he wasn't. He was choosing to live and a part of him choosing to live was to play basketball as a 40 plus year old man and it just happened to be that his brain had had enough and had to go out that day well can we say that about us and the day we're going to die i think so we'll probably have gotten something that was a part of our life and or that was a part of our heritage you love your mom but did you know your mom had cancer and her mom had and her mom gave you cancer? Now here's a question, you ready? If you had a choice, would you switch moms? Not to have cancer in your genetic history? Would you say shame on you mom for having kids? Mom, you know grandma died from cancer. Chances are you're going to die from cancer. Tisk tisk, mom. We shouldn't have had you shouldn't have had kids. We shouldn't be here right now. And if I had a choice, mom, I would choose a different mom without cancer. Of course not. It's a part of life. It's a part of the curse on the earth because of humanity's sin. And it's a part of the reason why Jesus died on the cross was to break the curse of sickness so that we all might live forever. And so the mother... Who has cancer and yet in her genes, and yet still decides to have children? She's not sinning against humanity. We're not Darwinist here thinking that we should be like Nazis in a laboratory building the Aryan or the superior race, do we? We don't believe that, do we? We believe life goes on in the midst of sickness. Life goes on in the midst of tragedy. And when the body of Christ gets together, Paul said, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, we all rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. It's time to gather in Christian unity. It's time to weigh our risks to our rewards and take our freedom seriously and begin to get the gospel message out during this time. If they show us that this turns into the influenza and they don't have enough hospital beds and they don't have enough ventilators and it's indiscriminately killing everyone of all ages and the death rate is going beyond 0.025%, then we'll do different at that time, won't we? And how many know the Bible says that there will be more? How many know that is true? I'm sorry to scare some of you, but you need to be ready to meet Jesus because the Bible says the plagues will get worse, the famines will get worse. And we always wondered, how would it look? Well, this is what it would look like. Notice how the plague came and then now the famines, they're saying because of the industrialized world shutting down, that now upwards of another 10, 20, 30, maybe even another 100 million in the, in, in the underdeveloped countries are going to begin to starve as the resources begin to deplete. May God have mercy on us if we back down now. Let us stand and suffer and rejoice. Can we do both? Can you chew your gum and walk at the same time? <laughs> can you can you whistle while you walk? Yeah. I'm gonna suffer for a long time with people in this church who get sick, whose loved ones pass, who bad things happen to them in their job or or to their company. I'm gonna suffer with you. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. If you're in need, let us help you in need. We're here for you. We want to suffer with you. But can we also rejoice as well? Can we rejoice because we see the gospel opening up doors? We see the gospel giving us opportunities to speak primarily to backsliders who used to come to church and hear preaching about the end times and are now seeing how real it is. Can you rejoice with us that some of us are taking advantage of the job crisis by creating new jobs and new ways of making income and new spheres of influence? Can we rejoice with them? Can we rejoice with those who are going to become constitutional lawyers and get paid a lot of money because there's going to be a lot of lawsuits after this? Can we rejoice with all those who are going to join the medical field and become doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals? Can we rejoice through what is going to come even in the midst of pain? Can we do both? I believe we can. We can suffer when the body of Christ suffers, and we can rejoice with those who are being honored during this time. I didn't ask for you to be a part of some political agenda to our city or governor, but I have asked you to be the body of Christ. I have not asked you. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. I'm going to say it again. I have not asked you to join a political movement. I've asked you to be a part of the body of Christ. I've asked you to do your part during this time. And one of the things we will not do as a church is we will not guilt or shame those who feel differently about this issue. Ought we to divide over that? No, this is nothing to divide over. Did anyone come here handcuffed? Please let me know if one of our elders or deacons threw you in a white van without windows and said, go, we got her, and drive off. And maybe they lured you in. Hey, do you want the Bible? Do you want the Bible? We got her. If you came here, then I believe, like me, you've looked at evidence that says it's time to reopen and to start mingling together as a culture. And the church should be the first place that happens. That's why I believe you're here and I also believe that you're here because you want to be a part of the body. You, you don't want to pretend as if no one's ever going to get sick again or that this is over now, that you want to be a part of the solution And you also want to be a part of the rejoicing and the good things that happen. So there's going to be problems, but there's also going to be solutions. And we can do both at the same time. And so during this time, I just want to clarify just a few things that may be circling around as rumors just so you can have confidence when you talk to your friends, community, Facebook, chat, et cetera. Uh, Here's the thing. Number one, nothing to do with money. Uh, March and April, while we were quarantined, were the two biggest giving months of our church. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, church. Two biggest giving months of 2020 happened while we were quarantined. And I'll be honest with you, even though I missed you, I kind of liked doing the service in my jammy jams. Uh, I would put on a nice shirt, keep on my jammy jams, and then talk to you online. That was kind of cool. I'm just being honest with you. Of course, after a while, I missed you guys, but I'm just saying it felt cool to be in my jammy jams having church. So it wasn't because of finances, and it certainly wasn't because we weren't effective. Um, You know, we are a church maybe close to 250, 300 on Sundays. We can average uh, 225 and so forth. And, uh, you know, we would get online and we would have over 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 views. It was amazing. So it wasn't because of money or we felt like we weren't reaching you. I felt like all of you knew where we were at. We have an app, we go online, we have the website, we were doing all of our life groups online, and they, who normally would only have 10 or 20 uh, come to their life group, they were having upwards of 100, 200, 300 people watching their life groups. There was no need or reason to prove anything or to get anything. What, What provoked us was that the body of Christ had to join together. I just felt like it was time, and I, and I felt the Lord give me this word. He said, Joe, I open churches, and I close churches, not the government. <laughs> hey, come on, somebody. And he said, he, he spoke to my heart, and he said, your church is not closed. Yours is still open, son, so get to work. Get out of your jammy jams and get to, get to work. Get to church. And I just feel the Lord gave, gave me that peace. He said it in ways that I could understand. And so number one, it had nothing to do with finances. Number two, it had nothing to do with an opportunity to stand out. We never called one news network. The news network that first heard about us found me while I was cleaning my boat because they were looking for boat owners that wanted to contest the governor's rule to only have two in a boat, including your family. So think about this. I can go to the boat dock with all eight of us in a van, closed windows, but then when I go to the boat outdoors, only two of us could go at a time. That was silly. You know, stupid is a stupid does. So... I got on the news for that. So I was on the news last week for that. But then I told him what I do for a living is I'm a pastor, that pastor's in the city. And he said, wow, we would love to interview you for that. And he said he'll be coming between our two services now. So around 2.30, look for Channel 2 News out there. But then this morning as I got up, I was gonna drive my hybrid car, you know, get good gas mileage, only about, uh, well, pretty high here, but uh, about 40 to 50 miles per gallon. So I should say it's only a gallon or two of gas for me to get back and forth to church, all that. So I was gonna drive the hybrid, but the Lord told me, bring the cross, bring it in the truck. So I parked that hybrid, and I put the cross back there, strapped it down, drove it with the highway, down the highway. And we made that cross so we could preach from the truck to parks and Walmarts. You guys have been seeing what we've been doing. And we'll get you with an official evangelism pan, plan moving forward now. But uh, the Lord said, bring that. So I brought the truck, and I said, Lord, here I am. Uh, I brought the cross in the truck. I said, here I am, Lord, parked right there. And the Lord said this to me. I know some of you, God talked to you like this. You might be thinking that. And I'm like, hey, talked to me like this. He doesn't talk to you. He talks to me, uh, and he, he has a lot of wisdom. You should listen to him. So he said to me, he said, take out that cross, have Rudy record you, go live, and sing, I have decided to follow Jesus, and walk it right down the sidewalk and plant it right in front of the church. I said, yes, Lord. I go to Rudy. I go, get the phone, Rudy. I'm going to get the cross. I want you to record this. And so I, I, I get the cross. He starts recording. And I sing in my you know crazy WWF wrestler voice, I have decided. To follow Jesus, slap into a slim jim, you know, slap. So I read, I have decided, and the moment I cross out of our parking lot onto that sidewalk, I see Channel Seven News, and I watch the guy with the camera hit record. I had no idea that guy was even there. He hit record. Come on, as I'm walking with the cross down that sidewalk, I set that cross down, put my hand over my heart, and I say, "All for you, Jesus." I don't know where this is going to take us. I don't know where we're going to go as a church. I'm ready for the journey. But I can ask you this. I can't ask you to join a political movement. That's not what churches do. I can't ask you to go beyond what is your conscience, conscience and what is reasonable to you for risk, reward during this time. I, I can't ask you to do things that you don't willingly want to do. And I, I wouldn't. I'm not here to do that. Not, to, not, not in this moment and not in any moment. But I want to ask you to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. I want you in closing as the band begins to come to begin to think about what you can do during this time to encourage others and to dwell together in unity. Maybe it's just going to check on your neighbor with the mask on, knock on the door, stand back six feet and go, hey, I just wanted to check on you, see how you were doing. Maybe it's calling up a loved one and saying, are you okay with us getting together? If you're not comfortable yet, I understand, but I want to see you. I want to love you. I want to share with you the the gospel. Uh, Maybe it's for some of you walking around the neighborhood, and when you're seeing people, maybe wear a shirt like this. Give them a thumbs up when you see them and say, I'm praying for this community. My family lives at such and such a place where we're on this block, and we're praying for you. If you need anything, let us know. When I was driving around with the truck, And we were preaching in the early stages of this. People were so scared, and yet they would stop and talk with us, and we would pray for them. And one gentleman even gave his heart to the Lord, and he's like, I'm so glad you guys came out here today. I'm so glad because it was touching his life. Wherever you're at, you can do something. Our life groups are open and are allowing you to come in different ways. Some of them are meeting outdoors because we have permission to do that as well. And you can come and you can invite somebody. You could say, hey, do you want to come with us? I know that sounds scary, but maybe there's some people right now that are just needing to get out. And it's not even that they're not concerned about their health. It's just there's other health issues that they're dealing with like anxiety, depression, alcoholism, drug addiction, and they need your invitation. So you you might think, well, everybody's scared right now to go out. Why would I invite anybody to my life group? You don't know how close somebody is to that edge right now. That risk of them catching an influenza-like illness, that's what COVID is, may be worth it to them, which I hope no one gets it, but you get my point. It may be worth it to them to, to commit suicide or to stay drugged up. So invite people to your life groups. Even if you don't feel comfortable yet going, let them know. Say, hey, there are some brothers and sisters opening up homes, backyards, and they'll meet with you. They'll pray with you. Do you know that children grow strong immunities and strong mental lives through touch? We don't grow out of that because there are people that need that. And I'm not saying hug anybody without their permission, but some of you need to ask somebody, can I hug you? You need to ask them. Maybe today you can ask them, do you need a hug? Do you need me to come over and just hold your hand? That's why I think it's so horrendous that we can't go to the hospitals of our own loved ones when it's our choice. And remember, the mask does nothing for me. It only stops the spread for them. I, as your pastor, will go. I will take that risk if you don't have anyone else to go. I don't care in that way. in that I care about other things, but not this thing. This thing has not taken away my ability to want to be next to the sick and dying. Maybe the influenza would be different. I'm a father. I have things to look out for. But I think now we, we kind of know the parameters of where COVID is. Our leaders, our pastors want to be here to touch, to hold a hand. You deserve that. Um, and things may change. Things may get worse. We're not promised that. But can we promise that we'll be the body of Christ? Amen. Let's stand up and pray. Thank you for coming today altar workers are going to be up here and you can decide if you want any distance and altar workers if you don't feel comfortable uh, even being at this vicinity then don't but any altar worker that's okay with establishing a place of distance to have a prayer they will be up here for you to begin to pray because there are people here that want to pray for you that want to reach out a hand to you if they can I don't think some of my altar workers are here or none of wants to pray for you but I'll pray for you Don't do it if you don't feel like you want to. Here's channel two. You guys channel two? All right, good to see you, ma'am. Hey, good to see you, my friend. Closing in prayer. I'll be up here to pray. I I know some of you guys had other obligations. Thank you. Just want to make sure you guys have no pressure, right? Wonderful. If you don't feel like coming close for prayer, you don't have to. But just know there are some of our leaders that want to pray. And if you need a hug, if you need a handhold, that's part of our religion is embracing. If they're okay with it, that's okay with us. We don't want you to feel alone today. Somebody may need a hug. Somebody may need a handshake. Somebody may need to be looked at and said, you're okay, God loves you, he's with you. But if you don't need it and you don't wanna take the chance, that's up to you. We're not here to judge. I'm just here to say, We want to start integrating our Christian practices again. We're okay with that. They're going to do it anyway. Why not start in the church? The Christians are willing to start integrating our Christian practices. Father, we thank you for this wonderful time. May we be the body of Christ that dwells in unity. Once again, we pray for all those who may be sick or who have lost loved ones during this time. We ask you to comfort them and to give us strength and courage to continue on. We ask, Lord, for the grace and mercy to be upon our doctors and healthcare workers. God, and we ask you now to be with our leaders to give them wisdom and guidance as we wait for a vaccine, as we begin integration for herd immunity. We pray, Lord, that everyone will do their part weighing the rewards and the risks, and that Lord will have faith to do so. May no one uh, do anything out of obligation, but only when they feel in their heart that they're ready to start integrating and moving forward, starting here in this church. Give our nation guidance. Help us to open up and to see freedom reign. And Lord, should this turn into something worse, should this turn into something worse, give us the wisdom to pull back again. But Lord, as of what we've been given now, we see that it's the best thing for the church to lead the way on the front lines. Like Mother Teresa, like others who have served during times like this, may we as Christians build up our immunity now. May we build up our resistance so that we can be a part of healing hands and hope for a nation that's hurting. And anyone here who does not know Jesus, may they come to know and love Him because no one is promised tomorrow. No matter all the safety precautions we take in life, everyone will have a day of death. May we all be ready for that day when we meet you, the creator and lover of our soul. May anyone here who is not ready for that day accept you into their heart, believe that you died on the cross, paid for their sins to resurrect, to give them new life. In Jesus' name, in his name we pray, Father. And everybody said, amen. Would you bless the Lord this morning? God bless you. You are dismissed. There is hand sanitizer on the way out. Take advantage of it. Those who would like prayer, come forward. Otherwise, we're going to sing a few songs and get ready for our second service.